0: and being able to think about calm in the way of leading a people team where I can say, you know, and as a people leader, I've always encouraged, you know, mindful managers and what it means to, you know, be thoughtful from a high EQ standpoint, you know, to be able to, you know, bring the principles of being connected to the human being doing the job, um, as opposed to just looking at someone for their title or level or things like that. I'm like, gosh, like, To be at a company where that's top of mind because you're putting people's mental health and fitness and wellness at the forefront of the business, that I get to put that lens on everything I do as a people leader, wow.
1: That was Calm Chief People Officer Scott Doman sharing his thoughts on onboarding into his new role at Calm and the intersection of passion and purpose and mental health. In this conversation, we explore that and much more, including CALM's program to provide HR practitioners with a free year of service, helping them navigate some of the unique stresses and pressures they've experienced in 2020. More after a brief word from our sponsor. Redefining HR, one podcast at a time. Support for the Redefining HR podcast comes from Pin. Pin is building the world's first employee centric communications tool, enabling your employees to automatically receive helpful messages at key moments throughout their journey, from onboarding to promotions and everywhere in between. Pin helps companies battle communication overload and puts your employees in control over when and how they receive information. Go to pinhq.com for more information. That's PYNHQ.com. And reinvent employee communications for the distributed workplace. And now, onto the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Redefining HR podcast. I am your host, Lars Schmidt. And today I am really excited to be joined by the chief people officer for Calm, Scott Doman. Scott has an epic career that I really can't wait to dig into with a lot of companies that you're going to recognize. And uh, we have a lot to cover. So Scott, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, Why don't you start off by giving the listeners a brief intro and background on you?
0: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I've been really excited to join uh, this podcast and I've loved your other ones. So a um, little bit of background on me. Um, I grew up in a small town in Oklahoma, didn't realize jobs like yours or mine existed. I <laughs> feel really lucky to, over the years, have been able to find roles that, in companies that one I'm proud to have worked for, but that also... I get to combine things that I'm really passionate about. I'm a people nerd, so I think I'm in the right job. Uh, and then being able to understand, you know, the things that really help businesses and organizations and teams grow and thrive. Um, and those things that provide, you know, toxicity and you know downside as well that you can avoid and help to you know alleviate when they do happen. So um, I feel lucky. Uh, you know, started my career in New York. Have been back and forth between New York uh, and LA for the past couple of years, and now have been at Calm for about nine months. So, really, really happy to be here.
1: Yeah. Well, there's a lot I want to dig into uh, with your role at Calm. But before we do, I wanna I wanna kind of get into the road that led you there. So, you interestingly Great. enough, you know, you started your career at uh, Warner Music and Warner Brothers Entertainment in roles that were very centered around strategy, metrics, and communications. Which right. I think, if you look at HR today, you know, fundamental capabilities to modern HR, but weren't necessarily always, you know, that at that stage in your career. And I'm curious, like, how did that experience, especially, you know, your kind of immersion in those three disciplines, uh, how did you carry that with you through your uh, people career leading up to your role now?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I feel really lucky to have started my career at Warner Music Group working for uh, a guy named Jim Blavelt, who's still someone that I have a lot of respect for, like when you asked me about sort of the HR mentors and people I looked up, look up to, he's definitely one of those people, um, because he was very much on the cutting edge of thinking about org design, strategy, metrics and data as, you know, to help us make decisions, not just in the classic HR generalist or HR director model um, of, you know, it was truly about learning how to be a partner to the business um, and how being a partner to the business required me to have a deep understanding of the business in terms of how it operated, what its core strategies were and how the HR slash people strategies were really core to those principles, how, you know, recruiting wasn't just finding people. Recruiting was much more around bringing in the absolute best people for the job, the, you know, cost metrics and all of the other time to fill of certain roles. so you could understand the difficulty behind that. Um, and learning that really early on in my career is something I've always been, I've, I feel really lucky to have had. Um, and at Warner Music Group, it was at that time, part of Time Warner, So, you know, Time Warner had some really thoughtful and well laid out principles and plans and strategies. Um, and Warner Music Group really, you know, went to the beat of its own drum, more or less, on, you know, how it operated, a different type of employee, different type of um, person that we were working with the, with the artists and things like that. So working with various record labels and execs on, you know, taking those principles of data and metrics and analysis and org design and talking about performance management, DE and I um, forced me very early on not just to have a Um, textbook approach to things that um, I had to find different words for different principles that I had to be much more creative and thoughtful as opposed to showing up as someone who um, you know, they had in mind would be sort of a classic personnel or HR individual. I remember very clearly when I was called Scott from personnel, um, and realizing that I had to, you know, if I expected to have a a differential or impact on a business, I had to understand that business and I had to understand their language and the things that meant the most and the data that I would be able to pull and the strategies I pulled together. I had to adapt to that environment. So, you know, at Warner and at Disney, those are things that very much um, played into me being able to be a business, a partner to the business, not just a business partner and not just, you know, Scott from personnel.
1: Yeah, uh, anything but Scott from <laughs> personnel. I mean, you know. <laughs> you, you, exactly, you raise such a great point about, you know, understanding the, the business, and it's it's something that I don't think we talk enough about as a as a core foundation to being a great. Uh, you know, people operations, practitioner, HR practitioner, talent, like it's one thing to understand your discipline and your functional area. And yes, you need to do that. Uh, But if you don't understand how that actually the work you're doing connects to the broader goals of the business, uh, it, it really kind of handicaps you. It makes it more difficult to understand how to prioritize, how to sequence and how to connect and talk to your contemporaries and peers in other functions I think the same way. So right. yeah, if you want to lose that, you know, name from personnel uh, label that that is that is a foundational thing that you uh, you need to focus on. You know, yeah, for you, like your, your background. I remember you know we we've known each other for a little over a year now, and I remember when I yeah. first saw your LinkedIn profile uh, and kind of where you've worked. You know, I was just it, it jumped out at me because I think for for most people who tend to work a lot in tech and media like I do, um, you know, you you've worked for many of the blue chip companies in that space from, you know, Warner brothers to Disney, as you mentioned to Spotify, Facebook, Netflix. uh, Right. So they was, you probably heard of, and I'm curious, like, I want to pull calm out of this question for fairness. Uh, So calm is not, you're not able to leverage calm for this answer, but of those roles, what, what role, what company stands out to you the most? Where did you have the most fun?
0: Oh, gosh. You know, when I uh, was thinking about this earlier, I was like, you know, I could say this, but then I realized, you know, I could, oh, it's Netflix. Oh, it's Facebook. Oh, it's Disney. But then I realized the times that I've had the most fun have been when I'm able to build something or I'm faced with the challenge of the unknown. Yeah. And that's been existent in every company. So at Warner Music Group, it was around, you know, the time that Warner Music Group was acquired by private equity and A couple of us had to, you know, be the drivers behind that. I ended up talking to um, someone who was on the compensation team who's now running total rewards at another company. She and I caught up after, you know, almost having not talked for 15 years. And we remembered those days very fondly and like, gosh, that was fun. Um, at Disney, it was being part of the team. It was building Disney English in China. You know, at Facebook, it was being part of the team building sales and opening up international markets. And at Netflix, it was the same around, you know, opening up offices around the world and being able to, you know, build out something that wasn't there before. So each company had a different element of that, but I realized it was around the build. Yeah. Um, and every company that I've been at, I've tried to take What has been most meaningful to me, um, you know, in terms of how much I've enjoyed it, how much I've gotten out of it and the things where it's the, you know, that are very specific to that culture. You can leave sometimes in that culture. Um, But like I look at things like where Netflix is probably one of my favorite places I've ever worked just because the culture is so well defined. Yeah. Um, and so thoughtful about the way that it's rolled out and the language that people use and being able to have been part of that. I feel really lucky, but also being able to say, gosh, how did those principles work at other companies? Um, and being able to look at Honey, for instance, and seeing how the principles of the various places I've worked worked at a place that was getting acquired and you know announced its acquisition eight weeks after I joined. So that was a totally different experience. And then being able to come to Calm with it, such a core mission of, you know, making the world a happier, healthier place, and solving the world's mental health crisis. Um, of being able to say, "Gosh, what are the principles from Facebook, from Disney, from Warner, you know, from Warner, from Netflix, from Spotify, that actually can bring a mission like this to life?" And in terms of putting the puzzle pieces together to create a foundation for a company and. Um, sorry for the longer answer, but that's why I can't just pick one place because I loved <laughs> elements of so many of those places that I feel lucky to have been on the adventure of my career that I've been on.
1: No, I mean, that makes sense. And I think, you know, you 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 stated something that I can certainly relate to, which is the uh, the value in being in different roles and different environments and taking something from that that you can then apply to your next role. And sometimes that's within the same discipline or the same industry. Sometimes it's a different one. And, you know, you might, you might have worked in, you know, random industries, but there are certain elements of each that you can take and kind of, you know, you're, you're over your, the course of your career, you're building your tool belt, uh, and you're being exposed to different situations and you're having to solve them in different ways based on the, you know, resources, tools, culture, et cetera, at your disposal. So it's, uh, it's interesting that you kind of framed it that way with uh, stacking. Um, I want to go back to honey for a minute, because you, you mentioned something that was uniquely interesting about that role that I want to learn more about. So, you know you you join you move from uh I believe it was Spotify over to Honey uh you're now at I'm Honey I Spotify to
0: Netflix and then okay, Netflix Okay okay so. okay Netflix yeah. so
1: Netflix to Honey and uh what well, you said 8 weeks in they announced the uh that they're going to be getting acquired and so for you as like a freshly minted CPO you you're you're hired under an umbrella of like coming in and building your own vision and implementing it and then you know weeks into the job that happens like What is that like? What was that like in that experience for you? And then how did you adapt? Like you're probably already you know building out your talent roadmap, uh, and obviously that is a uh, a significant marker that now that's going to change. Like what, what was that? Walk me through that process.
0: Yeah, you know it was really fascinating because it actually made me think about the acquisitions that I'd been part of in the past, where you know where either like at Warner Music Group I was being acquired, and then at other companies where we were making acquisitions. Where I was like, you know, I've been down this path before, so it wasn't quite as scary. And what I found what was really good as I was building my talent roadmap, um, I I realized I was like, you know, one of the things that was missing all those times was an active engagement and education with the people who were being acquired that are actually experiencing this. Because very early on, I realized that no matter what the change is, you have to be able to answer the question of what about me? Yeah. Um, No matter how well laid out the FAQs are, no matter how um, great a communicator or not great a communicator leadership can be, you really have to recognize that people are like, okay, great. And two seconds later, they're like, what about me? What does this mean to me? What is the impact to me? So I looked at it as a real opportunity to one like sort of cement a foundation for how we were going to, you know, how I was going to operate as a chief people officer and the things we were going to do because just because we were getting acquired didn't mean that anything stopped. Still to do a lot of recruiting, still to do a lot of, you know, developing of our people leaders, still had to, you know, implement a lot of change in org design. Um, So for me, I was like, what is the piece of this that goes along with it? And I was like, you know, I feel really lucky to be in this position to educate, you know, I think at the time, Honey was about 400 people, to really educate 400 people who may not have been through this experience before, what it means to go through this experience. So we looked at it and we laid it out as, you know, how do we um, put together the fundamentals of an acquisition, meaning teaching people the, here's some of the words you may hear over the course of time. What does it mean to actually be acquired in terms of the changes that you will experience and just actively communicating and getting that out and especially doing that right as we had gone, you know, it was about a year ago that we ran into our work from home environments where it was like doing all of those things over the course of, you know, the, you know, that those first couple of months of uh, safer at home or shelter in place that it took on a new life to it that I felt really like, I was like, okay, it's my job to actually look after the people of honey, to be able to give them the tools that they need to do great, be great at their jobs. But also right now, I felt like this, this, uh, this desire to be even better if, and be even more for them because they needed information. And in time that was already unsettling to answer the, what about me question that they had as it related to changes at the company, their own jobs, their orgs and things like that. So, um, I don't know, I looked at it as a challenge that I feel really grateful to have experienced and also it's one, one of those things that I was like, I've got to do this and I've got to do this right because there are a lot of people depending on this information and I want to, and I'm glad to be one of the people who can get it.
1: Hey everyone, I hope you're enjoying the show. I wanna take a brief break to share a new initiative that I think you'll find helpful. Redefining HR started with this podcast and evolved into a best-selling book laying a framework for modern HR and people operations. I'm excited to share the next evolution, the Redefining HR Accelerator. The Accelerator is a full platform to build, inspire, and support the next generation of people leaders, including cohort programs, courses, open source resources, and most importantly, community. Thanks to listeners like you, Redefining HR has now broadened into a tire platform focused on building readiness for tomorrow's HR today. Learn more at RedefiningHR.com. And now, back to the show. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I think going through that under normal circumstances is stressful enough let alone uh yeah. you know going through that during the early stages of a global pandemic i mean that's that's mm-hmm. something else you know for uh, there are a lot of listeners out there that are uh you know hr executives and hr practitioners um what advice might you have you know for somebody obviously you you've been on on both sides of that now so for somebody if they were a a freshly or newly minted hr executive uh and you know they were they were hired under one kind of framework and then soon after they arrive, they find out their company is getting acquired or merging. Uh, what recommendations would you have for them to kind of navigate those those early waters and that, that early adjustment?
0: Oh, that's a great question. Um, I would say the first stop would be to really like, one, do your own reflection. Like if you were as early in the job as I was to do your own reflection and be like, okay, how do I feel about this personally? How am I going to navigate this are the questions I need to answer because I need to get my own what about me questions answered so that I can make sure that those are things that I can check off and then I can dive into the rest of the organization. Um, And because you do as HR practitioners oftentimes we think about everything and everyone else. And we often don't take enough time to think about what we individually need and what our teams need. So it was like, you know what, in a people role, my primary focus is to focus on the people and the culture and the health of the organization. I have to give that to myself and then I can dive into doing it for the rest of the team. And then once I did that for myself, it was going for the lead, you know, into the leadership teams and being like, right, how do we feel about this? How do we, how are we going to communicate? How are we aligned? How do we make sure that, you know, we are at stand as a unified front from, you know, information sharing in the sense of, hey, if one of our employees gets one of us, they get all of us, you know? It's not just, oh, that's a Scott question or, oh, that's a, another executive question that we're all aligned on those things. And that we're highly communicative and highly thoughtful about the experience that people are about to go through because change in general is hard. And as long as you acknowledge that and then you put yourself in the place of the employee it's like okay we've got a lot of business focused items to 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 you know diligence and integration and all those things to dive into we've got to think about the people who are experiencing this and once you get aligned with yourself you get aligned with the leadership team then you get aligned on the process then you think about the people themselves and really put yourself in the position of those individuals and even maybe the most junior person in the organization to go gosh like Maybe they've only worked for a year or two years. Like, how do I even get set the context of what it means to go through this experience, so that everyone has the same foundation, speaks the same language, has the same information, so that you don't, um, so you can avoid the game of telephone, you avoid the rumor mill, um, and that you actually just lead from the front, that you lead with information, even when you know you don't have all the answers and it's uncomfortable. You just say, hey, here's the information I have, and here's what I don't know right now, but I'm committed to following up. Um, because when you build that trust by virtue of being that transparent and direct, um, it will save you a lot, a lot of time than trying to keep things clandestine or, you know, scurrying around into conference rooms. And this is what I always tell people. I'm like, listen, we got a lot of smart people here. <laughs> and when yeah. they see people run around or they see on calendars things are blocked or they know. Yeah. That's not, you know, don't kid yourself that people <laughs> don't know.
1: <laughs> I mean, especially if a bunch of executives coming out of a conference room and like avoiding eye contact Looking down like nothing to see here. There's nothing happening. Exactly. We're not discussing the fate of you as an employee by any means. That's
0: that's right. That's why we have to be really thoughtful again. That's where I go to the like leaders and of yourselves. Like take stock in what you need. Take stock in the leadership team of like how you align, and then dive into everything. Because oftentimes people jump too quickly into uh, let's just get stuff done without covering off on some of those items that may seem very simple, but are in fact you know probably more important than anything else.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a, uh, that's great advice. And, um, so nine months ago you take on a new role, yep. you joined calm as their chief people officer. What, uh, what drew you to calm? Uh, and then I guess the second part of that, you know, for listeners that may not be familiar with calm, if you can give an overview of, you know, business, great. uh, you know, headcount and kind of how your people team is structured.
0: Great. Uh, so, uh, I'll, I'll, Go uh, back to the question on Honey, too. Well, I was drawn to Honey for the mission. And so I realized that, like, mission-driven companies um, w- were something that I'd been a part of such amazing organizations over the years, but it, no, nothing had, like, a mission the way Honey had a stated mission or that Calm has a stated mission. And so when I was at Honey, you know, I realized I was like, gosh, my work at a mission-driven company isn't quite done. I really, I want to put more of a fingerprint on an organization that has a really solid mission behind it. Um, And, you know, luckily uh, was presented with calm and, you know, thinking of making the world a happier, healthier place. And, you know, talking to the co-founders, you know, Alex and Michael about, you know, their true mission of solving the world's mental health crisis. And being able to think about calm in the way of leading a people team where I can say, you know, and as a people leader, I've always encouraged, you know, mindful managers and what it means to, you know, be thoughtful from a high EQ standpoint, you know, to be able to, you know, bring the principles of being connected to the human being doing the job, um, as opposed to just looking at someone for their title or level or things like that. I'm like, gosh, like to be at a company where that's top of mind because you're putting people's mental health and fitness and wellness at the forefront of the business that I get to put that lens on everything I do as a people leader. Wow. I was like, <laughs> I've not, you know, been presented with that opportunity before. And I was like, wow, I really get to do that. I can't wait to be a part of it. Um, and, and so that, that was what initially drew me to calm. And for everyone that Is curious as to what Calm is. Um, Calm is an app where we are the, you know, number one wellness-focused program for mental fitness and um, and resilience. Uh, We've got a lot of amazing content on our service, ranging from sleep stories to music to our kids content, and we're building out some really uh, phenomenal libraries right now that lead people to a sense of centeredness, to a sense of resilience, to a sense of you know reduction of anxiety and in a way that you know you is most relevant to you um we've got some amazing amazing uh voices on our app like uh, tamara levitt and jeff warren to matthew mcconaughey and harry styles to you know some amazing kids content that we're working on right now and it's really wonderful to think about you know that you as a subscriber to calm are able to say you know what i only have time for this amount of time and I'm dealing with some, you know, anxiety today. What can I go, do to go on a guided experience that helps me reduce that anxiety in the way that I need it? Or like I've talked to a lot of candidates um, over this past year who have said, "Gosh, like I want to tell you a personal story about what Calm has meant to me and my family in the toughest days of the pandemic, where you know, as a family, we listened to this piece of content that helped us find a sense of centeredness and escape, and you know, we're able to connect as you know, a family unit." And, you know, it's just some of those stories that make me feel really, really lucky to be part of this organization. Um, And then, you know, going on to the question of how my people team is structured, um, I feel lucky again to... You know, be, you know, the leader of our people organization where we have our recruiting team, we have our talent development team, we have our people partner who is in an HR business partner, but again, the people team, people partner, um, our people operations team, which includes T, um, our recruiting operations, as well as our people operations. Um, and then core operations reports into me as well, which is finance, IT, um, customer experience and uh, operations uh, across the company. So you know that is a <laughs> it's a big job and, and you know with that complex of an environment um, you know it's really great to do all of the context switching yeah um, around the organization and I'm also spending a lot of time because we're recruiting so much we Um, are building up our senior leadership teams in certain areas. So for instance, right now, I'm spending a lot of time with our content team um, in terms of coaching and guiding them on a much more regular basis and spending a lot of time with our B2B organization. Uh, You know, it's really phenomenal to think of, you know, uh, Calm being an organization that's just shy of 200 people. We just closed our Series C back in December. I know we've got a lot of opportunity here as a business and to see us scale, you know, as thoughtfully as we're scaling. Um, it's wonderful to be a part of that. Uh, so hopefully that, hopefully that gives yeah. you a good overview. No, that's
1: helpful. And I mean, while I have you here, I know you're growing and you're hiring, uh, are you hiring on your team? And if so, what, uh, what roles are you uh, looking for within oh. all things people talent and recruiting?
0: Yes. Thank you for the plug. Um, uh, right now, I actually have a role open to head up our recruiting team. So a VP or director of recruiting. Uh, so if anyone who's listening is a, a phenomenal recruiting leader who's aligned with the call and mission and wants to you know, join the rocket ship, please, please let me know. Hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, I'm also recruiting for head of Total Rewards. Um, And, you know, talking to others who are looking in this space, total rewards leaders, uh, you know how if you're listening and you don't know how valuable you are, you are extraordinarily valuable (laughs) and you're extraordinarily hard to find right now, Um, uh, as well as we will probably we'll be recruiting for um, additional people partners to the team uh, later this year. And additional recruiters to the team later this year as well. So um, we're growing really rapidly, and um, I can talk about all of our other open roles, but that feels like a too much of a shameless plug.
1: So <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, thank, you. thank you. I, I, I had to give you the grounds, the you know, knowing, open roles <laughs> knowing the, uh, the you know the the makeup of the listeners, uh, I, I know that uh, you know a lot of them are in this space, and a lot of them would be uh, keenly curious about uh, you know what you're hiring for. So there there you have it, listeners. It. You've got a few roles to check out. Um, you know, I want to come back to some of the programs that you're launching. So one of the things that uh, you announced, um, uh, you know, within uh, a couple of weeks, I think by the time this uh, airs, it'll be about a, a month before, but you had announced a, a special program of one free year of calm service yes. for HR practitioners, um, kind of, you know, uh, acknowledging the unique um, Stress, difficulties, uh, weight of the world that we have carried uh, through the pandemic. And A, thank you for that, because I thought that obviously that's not a small commitment on your part. Uh, and, and I think it was, you know, understandably very well received. Take me behind the scenes. Like, how did that program come to be? Where did it come from? What were the conversations like in, in shaping its release
0: Yeah, I give all credit to this to our B2B marketing team led by John McBride and Claire Clark, who is a community lead on his team. You know, they partner really closely with me and my team on things that are B2B related because our client are the me's of the world, are our chief people officers, CHROs, benefits leaders, people operations leads. So we spend a lot of time talking about, you know, what the... Uh, CHRO, CPO of today is faced with, um, and faced within a remote environment. And so this idea came from them and they'd asked um, myself and our people partner, Song Almazo, and our head of uh, talent development, Sarah Tobin, to take a look and offer quotes and ideas and thoughts. And I was so impressed with this. I was like, wow, I was like, this is such a phenomenal thing to be able to say to the people who are dedicating so much of themselves and Oftentimes, I've talked to a lot of people leaders right now that they're dedicating so much of themselves that they have almost no gas in the tank for themselves at the end of the day. Yeah. And I was like, what a phenomenal thing for you know, a, a team that's partnered with the people organization to think about giving back to the people teams. I was like, this is so wonderful. Um, so there's the element of it being a really great B2B opportunity for our, you know, people to experience calm, um, before they bring calm into their own organizations. But also as a people leader, that was one of the primary focuses of their said, you know, gosh, we know how much you and the team are giving to the, uh, the people at calm. How do we give back to the people like you who are doing this work, um, around the world? And that's where I was like, listen, how can I be part of promoting this? So we all got behind it we all offered our own edits we all offered our own networks where maybe you saw on a bunch of our um, feeds in linkedin we just put it on linkedin to make sure that we're like hey how can we give back to our own communities and to you know the listeners of your podcast if they're interested please let me know and we can repost that as well because you know it's running through all of march to sign up for um, the, the HR toolkit that our teams have put together—that is about resilience and mindfulness and being able to find a sense of centeredness—as an HR leader, so that you are truly have gas in your tank to give back to your companies. Um, I've never worked on anything that's been that exciting for me, just as an HR practitioner before, where I'm like, gosh, like we really are giving back to our communities, and in the sense of. Um, you no, know, we're letting the cobbler's children have shoes, uh, you know, <laughs> is one of my favorite little lines of like, you know, this is going to be able to make a significant difference to uh, to the people teams uh, around the world.
1: Cool. Well, Scott, that uh, a, I mean, it's uh, it's got to be pretty rewarding for you just to be, you know, that that a program like that has so much intersectionality with your role and like what you do and what you're working on and the stress that, you know, you feel like how do you, you know for you? how do you practice self care? Like the, 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 the stress, I mean, we don't need to walk, play back the stress that I think all HR practitioners, but certainly CPOs uh, and CHROs have faced over the last year. uh, And, and too often uh, the last person uh, serviced is themselves, right? They're, they're taking care of their team, their employees, everybody, but themselves. Uh, And so how do you think about practicing self care for yourself?
0: It's a great question. And I would definitely say I'm probably not great at practicing my own self care as much as I tell everyone to practice self care. Like I try and basically take my own advice. Yeah. Um, because one of the things we talk about a lot with our people managers as well as like at all hands is the simple question of how are you doing? No, really how are you doing. Yeah. So that you really draw people in you draw it out of people because it's easy to say, fine and move on to the next, next topic. Yeah. But it's no, really, I want to take a beat. Um, I ask myself that question. It's like, how are you doing today? Um. And so I find that like, just giving myself the little things that I enjoy are really great. Like I make time in the morning to go on a walk and I'll maybe go on a walk for an hour. And if I don't have time to go on a walk for an hour, I'll get on my Peloton for a half hour. I've found times during the day where it's like, Wow, I've got, you know, an hour block here where a meeting was canceled. I'm going to step away from my computer and, again, either get on the Peloton for a quick 30-minute ride or I'm going to go on a walk or I'm just going to call one of my friends and check in and see how they're doing. And I feel very lucky to also be connected with some really great people leaders as well um, that I can call on. And we just have that moment of it's like, okay how are you doing? And then everybody, you just like take that deep breath and you let it all hang out where you don't feel like you have to be on all the time. And for me, that has been so important to have like really great people in my network that whether it's like my best friend is an HR practitioner, but also people in my network that I've just grown so much closer with over this past year to be able to say, gosh, like, it's just so nice to call you and like have a conversation that I wouldn't normally have. Um, with other people on my team or at the company and for them to call me and say, gosh, your vulnerability just reminded me I needed to do the same. And I didn't talk to you about this, of being able to provide that support mechanism for each other um, has been a real. I didn't realize how important that was for self-care and to have that like um, personal board of directors around you that you can just like let it all out with and, you know, really you know, find that sense of centeredness. Yeah. Um, And also I would say I have used calm more in the past year as a sense for my own self-care than ever before. So there are some guided, you know, some guided meditations and anxiety reduction that um, I take myself on a lot um, that I feel really... I don't know one really happy that i've got calm as a user but i also that you know i'm able to work here and then put that lens on everything i do too so
1: yeah i mean that that peer network uh you describe is is so important uh you know and and obviously in in a role like yours you you know you it's a lonely job you you don't really have a lot of people within the business that you can talk to about certain things uh and so you know nobody within the walls of your company knows the unique uh, stress and pressures that you're experiencing in the role of a CPO or CHO. So having those peer networks where you can go and you can commiserate and you can, uh, unload when you need to. Uh, I think is is absolutely essential, and so I definitely encourage uh, anybody listening. Make sure you've got those networks you can tap into. Um, Scott, 100%. this has been a ton of fun. I want to I want to close up with a little lightning round. I'm gonna we're gonna go rapid fire through oh, a cool. couple of questions. We're gonna have some fun <laughs> with this. So try to keep your answers to about a, a sentence or right. so, and uh, we're gonna rock and roll. So you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. I am peeping your Spotify playlist. What am I going to learn? Are your top three artists?
0: Uh, Kylie Minogue, Dua Lipa, and there's a mint a playlist called Mint that I listen to a lot.
1: Mint. Okay, uh, double click on that. What uh, what, what are we going to discover with Mint? What kind of it's kind of tunes? sort of
0: like it's a, it's electronic. It's just um a little bit more high energy music like Ava Max and things that have been remixed. That it just um. I like having it on in the background. I've not been, I'm not one of those people that needs like soft soothing music. Like I like a, <laughs> a poppy jam, like some Dua Lipa or some Kylie Minogue or something that's just like a lot more high energy, like I get on the on the Mint playlist. Uh, I will check
1: that out, because I'm the same way for being it's it's, either EDM or punk, one of the two. Yeah, so, so there's a lot
0: of EDM stuff, which is really fun.
1: <laughs> All right, uh, what is your least favorite HR buzzword?
0: Probably seat at the table.
1: Oh, yeah. That's I just. Can't, we used just sort of, we should banish that. It should just be gone. Yeah. It doesn't serve us. It never did. But now it's just kind of embarrassing if we're still talking just, about it in the non satirical way.
0: Yeah, I just can't. I just, yeah. <laughs> All
1: right. Uh, what is, so I know this is, it's, it's, I'm putting it on a spot, uh, but what is your favorite HR function? The favorite HR discipline?
0: Oh, it, it goes back to my roots of OD yeah. and learning. Um, it it just, it's not a favorite now, but it's that thing that I started off doing that I have the most, um, I don't know. It's the softest place in my heart for about the stuff that I love doing and that I first started doing. Um, and then I think has actually served me well as I've progressed in my career.
1: Yeah. Uh, if you weren't practicing HR, what would you be doing?
0: Oh gosh. I'd want to be like, I love to travel and I love to like, my husband and I love getting out of the country and going to explore new places. I'd probably be like, own my own travel company where I developed travel, like I developed experiences for people.
1: Yeah. You know, it's it's funny hearing you say that. The uh, One of the things that we've been doing, uh, my wife and I, since the pandemic, well not since it started, but at least probably the last four months, is uh, Rick Steves has like an online streaming show every Monday night. Uh, and he goes through like different Uh travel episodes and it's just like, cause we, we love travel too. And obviously we're not doing that. So it's a way to kind of scratch that itch. Uh, well, the closest we'll get to doing that until we can actually get on an airplane again. So, um, Scott, last question for you. I got one, one, one last one for you. What, uh, who is one HR practitioner you admire and why? Oh gosh. Um, I don't know if
0: if she's an HR practitioner, but it's all, I mean, it may sound very basic, but I love Brene Brown. And in terms of just the books that she's written, all of the work that she does, like Call to Courage, you know, uh, it just, it means so much to me that I pull in so much, so much the principles of vulnerability and the removal of shame and things like that um, into my everyday, in terms of how I coach managers, how I coach leaders, how I think about my team, Um, I don't know if that's your standard answer, but, you know, she's one of those people that I reference a ton. Um, And then, yeah, so if you you want other practitioners, someone to shout. So I know since you're editing this. That's one answer. The second answer is like an HR practitioner that I have a lot of respect for is a gentleman named James Kinney, um, who's the new chief diversity officer uh, and the head of HR for the Americas at Ogilvy. Um, he and I connected over LinkedIn about a year ago, and we just had a call this morning where um, he's put together some DE&I um practitioners and professionals who are all talking about the things that we're facing and learning from each other, that just the fact of like, he's such a wonderful human being who cares so much about the topics of both, you know, as a people leader, but also diversity, equity, and inclusion is the, you know, something we have always needed to focus on and amping it up even now so that it becomes something that doesn't dissipate. Um, I have an enormous amount of respect for him.
1: Yeah. Well, Scott, that's uh, and, and Brene is, uh, yeah, she's tremendous. And, um, Interestingly enough, you're not the first person has answered the HR question with Brene Brown. So, uh, that, 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 I didn't think it would be. <laughs> that's a sign. She she's a dream guest. I may have to uh, I may have to see if I can uh, if I can get in touch with her people for season six. We'll see. We'll oh see gosh, if we can make some magic be... happen. I have, to, I have to compile these sound bites so... and be like, look, there's a there's demand.
0: Uh, that, yes, I th- you know what I would I would gladly <laughs> join that as a li- as as. I'd I uh, I'd be the sound person if you wanted.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, you're hired. You're hired. I'm going to bring you in. So uh, Scott, thanks that. so much for, uh, for making time to uh, share your career, your journey, and what you're working on and uh, uh, all of that. It's been great getting to know you a bit better and uh, appreciate the work you're doing. And uh, again, thanks to your B2B team for this uh, uh, calm uh, one-year membership team for HR practitioners. It's a, it's a big, uh, big gift for us and it's appreciated.
0: Oh, well thank you so much for having me on Lars. I mean, I'm a big fan of yours as well and you know what you do for the HR community. Hopefully they're getting as much out of it as I do just you know the things you put out into the world and having all of us on and where we can all connect and form deeper connections and support each other. So kudos to you too. Really really appreciate it.
1: Thanks for tuning into this episode of Redefining HR. For more information on the podcast, past episodes, future guests, the Redefining HR book, or free resources, be sure to check out redefininghr.com. And if you dig this podcast, why don't you share it with your CEO, your executive team, and your friends to help them discover what Redefining HR is all about. If you really dig this podcast, I'd love for you to leave a review on whatever podcast delivery vehicle your ears prefer. See you next week.